Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 21 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? We need to get a new logo. Like, I guess <laughs> we could just put a two in front of the other one, and it would still work, right? I mean... <laughs> We can do one of those really bad, like graphic design is my passion. Right. <laughs> Just out. Photoshop yeah. a, a two right over the one. I'm sure somebody <laughs> will do that for us on Twitter and uh, we, we will have the awesome looking uh, new logo. Jordan. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe like I thought I was having a, a fever dream uh, watching. Uh, I think it was late in the third quarter and, and they they lined up in an eye formation. The Rams did. And I, I thought my I, I could feel my eyes getting bigger. I, I couldn't see myself, but I could feel my eyes getting bigger. And then they I think they motioned out of it that time. I can't remember who who motioned out of it. But but I thought, oh, man, I, like I missed an opportunity of a lifetime to see the Rams run a play out of the I formation and then like two plays later I think it was the first play of the fourth quarter they they for anybody who who you know knows USC history or uh, watch those games they basically ran student body left uh, I, I don't think the formation <laughs> was was quite right I don't think they had quite as many offensive linemen pulling uh, uh to the left but but they run a pitch play out of the out of the I formation with Ben Skoranek as as the lead backer at fullback and uh I, I know it brought you great joy Jordan now now of course the the game got a lot more complicated after that uh but uh, that was quite a moment wasn't it uh, watching watching that little package and, and you knew Jordan and you you have suspected long suspected uh, that that something like that uh, w- was in the works. We call it we like to call it on this podcast uh, educated opinion, right? Yes. Uh, from certain hints that you see throughout the course of camp that you kind of keep close to the vest, not only as the nature of your credential prohibits uh, reporting of certain information during closed periods, but also just conversations I've had with Ben over the last couple of weeks about being ready for more, being ready for that kind of responsibility and little snippets. At one point last year, uh, Les Snead mentioned to me, wouldn't, you know, kind of in that you think maybe he's joking, maybe he's not joking, you know, (laughs) throw in a fullback and just run behind him the whole game, kind of like when they were struggling in November and all of these different things. And and Ben Skoranek, now it didn't just start in the third quarter. They came out of the gate first quarter. They came out of the gate with their run game with Ben Skoranek in a three-point stance in the eye formation. It was, as I said in my column, throughout the game, 1980s hair metal, neck roll gnarly. And I think like... First of all, just as a football fan, a fan of the game and how it evolves and cycles back around to meet itself all the time. When you see something new like that in a game that, you know, makes sense, that is smart, that is, you know, took a lot of effort to design and implement and that, you know, is a completely 
new lane for this particular coach to specifically to go down. It's it's really fun to watch. And it the game was so much fun to watch, just objectively speaking, for the first couple of, of quarters and a little bit into the third before things got really weird. Um, but I will say, like the Rams were running 21 personnel out of 11 personnel. And this is important, Rich, because that play that you mentioned in the fourth quarter, that toss play, you yeah. know, you say, you know, USC, and I and I just can recall, you know, Pac-12 memories and all of that of, of seeing stuff like that. But, but that, that play, that's, that's pure 49ers plus bills combined. Sure. Pulling that tape and then adjusting that, those concepts to your players and your scheme and what your players do well and the tendencies that they prefer. And I think that's one of the cool things about football is how people borrow from each other, but then Good, really good coaches, they apply it directly to their players and they let the play evolve through the, their players themselves instead of forcing them to fit certain boxes. And that's what you saw ultimately with Ben Skoranek at fullback. So the fullback, as we know, is has a ton of lore all by himself um, and is one of the the bright characters of football through the ages. Right. right. And the, the quote unquote dying of the fullback um, or dying out of the position, it really signaled a movement toward the higher octane passing concepts that this league is known for. But in some cases, the fullback still exists. And, and one of those cases is in San Francisco where Kyle Juszczyk is one of those all around sort of weapon players. So technically on the roster, he's listed as a fullback, but he also is a threat in the passing game as well. Well, what Sean McVay alluded to yesterday in implementing Ben Skronik is he's sort of doing it in the inverse. So he's a receiver who is playing fullback blocking concepts, which means that the Rams can stay in 11 personnel, quote unquote, because they have they have the three receivers on the field. But Ben Skoranek could also play 21 personnel concepts and show 21 personnel pre-snap before either it's a run play or you're releasing out into a variety of 11 personnel concepts, which is a nightmare for a defense because it's when you have a quarterback who's not necessarily like a zone read runner or an RPO guy, you know, like when you have a guy who works the pocket well, like Matthew Stafford does, but isn't necessarily known for being a threat in the, on the run, you build in these different types of layers and dimensionality pre-snap and post-snap with the other personnel that you have. And that was what was so fun to watch was you could just see Sean McVay go total galaxy brain in this. Like it was, that was what was really fun because this is something that, you know, the details are hard to discern when you're watching it in real time. And I had a a commenter in my column this morning say, you know, why so much time spent writing about this? You know, this is, he didn't really make much of a difference. I counter and argue because of what I heard and and talked to guys about in the locker room post game, it changed the entire way the Falcons played them and played their defense. If the Rams didn't completely stop moving the ball and hadn't turned over the ball with such egregiousness late in the game, 
they put that game away a long time ago in part because of the way that they changed all of the coverage contours that the Falcons were able to play them with because they showed that specific look. It didn't necessarily mean that they rushed for 200 yards. This team probably is not going to ever do that. I'm just going to be realistic with with people. But when you have the ability, this is a pass first team now under Sean McVay. When you have the ability to, at this point, make the defense not sure whether it's going to be a run concept or a pass concept, not just with a play action, which is like the original quote unquote cheat code in doing this. When you can make the defense have to consider the fact that quite literally any 11 personnel concept in the passing game could happen out of a run look, a heavy personnel, 21 personnel run look that changes all of the math for what the defense has to do and has to account for. And that changes what, how they play you. And you saw that the plays where this was successful in their first time ever running this, you saw what the vision was and how things worked out, not just in plays like that one that was so delightful, the, the 13 yard run on the left side, um, the toss play to Daryl Henderson and the blocking by Ben Skronik and Cooper cup laid a guy out and, and it's not just that. It's also watching Ben Skoranek release in various ways. Now he's got so he's got to put a little bit more of that part of it together, I think. Right. Because you know there's a one time where he released that he could have had a, a catch for a huge gain, but maybe was a little unsteady on the route. But when he puts that part of it together, and they won't run this every week, but in the weeks they do run it, when he puts that together, that's super super dangerous, and that's where a lot of the variability can come from. And I would argue this is one of the most interesting developments we've seen in this offense in quite some time, going back to November when they started using linemen as tight ends and going back to that where they stopped using play action and put Matthew Stafford in the drop back game more often and, and went with the empty steps, sets. It's so interesting because when you combine the big picture of all of those things together, this group has a dimensionality. It's like t- factoring out the the sense that they couldn't freaking close that game out to save their lives. Like, Aside from all of that, like the different layers building in with a specific group of players that were utilized, a lot of different guys that were utilized yesterday, um, that was what was interesting. That showed that this is a team that's going to work on evolving quicker when their backs are against the wall. Um, You know, the closing out games we'll get to, that's a problem, obviously, but in a vacuum, what they were running with those concepts, what you could see big picture how this group is changing and evolving and moving forward. That's super, super important. And to use a receiver as the inverse of a traditional fullback, that's super, super important. Like in terms of the game itself, he's not the first, John's not the first person to ever do this, but to do it in this context is super, super important. And that's why it deserved a section in my freaking column. (laughs) Yeah, it was super interesting to see that play out in in real time too. And you know, l- looking back, thinking back on the game, you go, oh, it wasn't. A, I mean, it was very efficient performance by the Rams' offense. It wasn't particularly dynamic, but it was. It was almost like this was the the, the genesis of something. And it, it, they've run some of these concepts before, but in other, obviously, other teams have too. But I'm looking at it, going like, yeah, this is like 
this is like step one in in whatever this is going to turn into. And and I think there's going to be more and that it could evolve even further. And they were doing some other thing. I mean, I believe it was the first touchdown of the third quarter that where Cooper Cup was lined up in the in the, in the backfield also. And then and they somehow <laughs> Atlanta somehow double teams Tyler Higby coming coming off the line and leaves Cooper Cup wide open, which yeah. is like, I mean, the football 101 right there. Maybe cover that guy. Number 10 over there. Maybe make sure you get some eyes on on that guy. Maybe uh, throw it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's uh, talk about that a little bit, too. But uh, but it was fascinating to watch, Jordan. I mean, uh, you know, regardless of, of whether you're cheering for the Rams or or whether you thought it was particularly dynamic. I mean, they were they weren't you know, they they were scoring. That was the thing they were scoring on on all of these drives. And it was just it was it looked so different and it looked so interesting to watch. So I I think you uh, anybody who hasn't yet read your your column, the pile. I mean, it's, this is fascinating stuff. And really, not, I guarantee you not just a one off either. I mean, this is something that if you're tracking this Rams offense uh, this is something that you're going to want to know about and going to want to uh, find out what's going on there because it's it's another element that is going to I remember Jordan and uh, I was thinking about a one of the combines and uh, uh, you know John McVay had had kind of I think he had been asked about it actually I'm not sure he brought this up on his own but the but the topic the topic of Kyle Juszczyk came up and kind of how the 49ers use him and and Sean kind of made noises to to indicate that like yeah you know we could incorporate some and I believe this was 2020. I, I think this was the the last combine before the before the pandemic, and and they didn't draft a fullback, and everybody kind of went, ah, you know, that must have just been Sean kind of talking, you know, and then you know the next year they did draft their fullback. We just didn't know it at the time. They they drafted <laughs> Ben Sk- Skoranek, and and now he's the fullback. So very sneaky, very sneaky move by uh, by the Rams. But uh, but you know. Wow. I mean, talk about games within games here. I mean, 31-27, it ends up being way closer than anybody thought it was going to be when it was the the magical 28-3 to number that uh, the Falcons must love hearing about uh, every time they're in a a game that ends up a 28-3. to Um, But, you know, Jordan, some injuries coming out of that. Let's just address this straight up because it is Monday morning as we're recording this. Don't want to dwell too much on the injuries just because I don't, don't want to waste anybody's time here. By the time people listen to this, you probably might have heard more from Sean McVay about what some of the injuries are. You're obviously going to spend the week, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing what the implications are of some of these really, really unfortunate. And I don't, I don't mean this as a, any type of fan perspective, but to see Tremaine Ancrum go down uh, early in a first series, my goodness, like, you, you know, we talk about this all the time, the human element of this, but the guys work so hard to, to get in there and get his first start. And I, I, what was it? The second or third play, I think, uh, on, on offense, he, he goes down with what looked to be a pretty serious ankle injury when you have to go off on the cart. That's never a good thing. Um, and then there were also some injuries in the defensive backfield with Troy Hill going out. We'll see how that develops over the course of the week. David Long went out, was able to come back. Um, but but Jordan, let, let's maybe not we're, we're not going to maybe dwell too much on the injuries here. But if we could spin it into maybe even a little bit of a positive, that offensive line, I mean, obviously already without Brian Allen um, and that could have been a disaster with Tremaine Ancrum coming out. And, and obviously, I'm sure the, the the Falcons were licking their chops a little bit. But uh, after especially after that week one performance from the Rams offensive line, uh, to, to me, that that was a, a huge positive for, for the Rams against the Falcons. 
Yeah, the the offensive line, this was sort of a rebound game of sorts for them. And obviously hate that for Tremaine Ingram or Tree as the uh, the other linemen call him, which I think is like a really very nice nickname. Like, I just like it. I don't know. I just think it's I just think it's nice. Um, But yeah, it's it, it stinks for him. It was his first start. He's worked so hard. Hard to see the cart come out. That's a serious ankle injury. We'll obviously hear more from Sean McVay about a timeline for that, but I I wouldn't be super optimistic in that regard. And then Alaric Jackson comes in and plays really, really well at, at right guard. Now, Alaric is a tackle. He played all left tackle, really, in, in college and played a little right tackle. The Rams tried him a little bit at that in his development. Um phase and then this year is the year that he started playing a little bit of guard just as an emergency option and I thought that was really telling not only that he comes in after being so inexperienced relatively at the position he's the next go-to depth guy even with Bobby Evans up on the roster this is something we've been tracking obviously through camp no obviously no disrespect meant to anybody on their professional journey but it's very telling when a player who just started playing guard is the ne- the next go-to option in that regard. Um, and, and Coleman Shelton had a hell of a game at center. Yeah. I mean, you, there was not a lot to dislike about what he was able to do and the space that he was able to clear out. And I think, you know, I, t- I talked with Coleman post game and he said that they just were in a really good headspace as an offensive line all week. And and he credited some of that to Rob Havenstein and his leadership and being sort of the, the veteran statesman in the room and, and a team captain and sort of keeping the group together, even though they reshuffled, even though there's some injury issues. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the group you see roll out in the next couple of weeks, um, especially with Brian Allen still out is, you know, having, Joe Noteboom at left tackle, having David Edwards at left guard, having Coleman at center, having um, Alaric Jackson at right guard, and then, of course, Rob Havenstein at right tackle. And I think this was something that they needed. This was, I don't want to say a get-right game. I'm sure they'd argue there's some things to clean up here and there as well. But, you know, it's something they they needed to prove to themselves and and kind of get their feet under them, get their wind under them a little bit. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I commend them for the job that they did, especially after what a fiasco the other week was. The Rams were able to throw the ball downfield more. The Rams were able, like Matthew Stafford, clearly had more, way more time to work through his progressions. He was getting to, yeah. you know, not just his front side stuff, but his backside stuff. They were doing a lot of different run concepts. They were do- doing a lot of different passing concepts. You know, the complicated nature of the playbook increased. There was more variety. So not just keeping him clean, but dealing with that sort of added level of information, I think was admirable for the offensive line. Yeah, for sure. And it, it just, uh, to me, it, just, it could have been a disaster. I mean, when you when you already have a reworked line that you've been trying to kind of piece together for the week, and then you you, you lose a part of that. And, you know, you've got a guy coming in who, uh, as you said, it's not his, it's not his DNA, uh, necessarily to, to play that position. And uh, it could have been a disaster in the in that interior in, spe- in specific. And, and it really wasn't. And they did a nice job opening up some holes, too. I mean, we, we could maybe touch on on the, 
the emergence cam Akers, uh, he, he's alive he, he he got in there and uh you know line was 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 doing some good work there in 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 the run game also so uh impressive not surprising you know you've known that group for for a while um they they tend to have some bad games here and there and they're usually followed by pretty good games so that it doesn't shock me necessarily but um it's encouraging if you're a rams fan that 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 bounce back did take place especially when there were some injuries and when things could have gone really really bad speaking of things that oh go ahead jordan yeah and it wasn't perfect like you know you want your running backs to rush for more yards per carry but i think in terms of the line itself and and reshuffling and then reconvening and trying to put together a good body of work you're looking at um maybe if you remove a couple of the negative plays that were kind of pretty apparently for you know miscommunications or blocking miscues um, you see that the yards per carry, the the low number for both of these guys is just not really reflective of how the flow of the game actually went. Some of those right. big, um, quote unquote, explosive runs that they were able to attain, keeping uh, the down and distance efficient. The Rams did a very good job of this throughout, especially the first half. And I think that's what, aside from the chaotic last second half of this, the the first half is really what we're looking at in terms of what's possible for this group. Yeah, I was I was frantically trying to look through my my game notes here, to, and I'm I'm not going to be able to finish it. But you're you're right. I mean, there wasn't the, the, there wasn't dynamic. They weren't breaking off 15, 20 yard runs. But I also don't remember a whole lot of negative runs, which is one thing I was trying to look up here. Um, I, I I can only find one uh, at first glance, and that was in the. I think in the there third were quarter, two. So. I think okay. Kim had two for minus four, but that was more of a. Again, that was more of a blocking situation. Um, One of them was a pitch that kind of got strung out. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so I think you're looking at the the biggest emphasis and what Sean McVay wants to see in his quote unquote, like professed goal of the marriage of the run in the past is kind of exactly what they did with the variety of concepts that they ran in the first half where it's receivers paired with, with, um, running backs in the backfield showing different motion looks pre-snap stuff and sure it's going to continue to be a high volume passing attack but breaking off a couple of those really efficient runs where they need to and again some of those gains daryl henderson with the rushing touchdown some of the gains that daryl had as well including that 13 yard run and i think there was a night uh 19 yard something no that was the screen to higby that i'm thinking of but there was like at least you know a couple eight plus yard runs and Cam Akers was effective in the passing game on that third down. And I think those are the types of things you're starting to see emerge a little bit more as as this plan. And, and I think Cam Akers needed that. You know, he had a tough week and Sean McVay sort of called him out publicly and and needed him to step up and do more. And and this is something where he it was very clear that he was going to be given an opportunity to do so. And and I think they stepped up. Now it wasn't perfect. And again, there's a lot more to build on, I think, in this run game in general. But in terms of the vision and the concept that you could sort of see what the big picture is supposed to look like, I think they showed, you know, positive progress in that regard. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and I, and I did find the other negative run. Yeah, it was it was on that very last series right before the, the safety, uh, which is uh, what, I, what I wanted to pivot to anyway here, Jordan, <laughs> because, you know, I mean, obviously this this game was in hand. I mean, it was depending on how you want to look at it. It was 28 to three early in the uh, third quarter and it was 31 to 10 early in the fourth quarter. And you think, well, it's game over. And obviously they were uh, very, very much sweating it out and, until the final minute. But Jordan, I, don't, I want to get your thoughts on this because I'm looking at it and I'm I'm going, you, there, there's some games where this happens and you say, oh my gosh, there was just a, a defensive collapse or the offense just couldn't score anymore. I mean, to me, this was just, and I'm not saying this is better or worse, but it was just kind of a series of like systematic failures. I mean, it wasn't one thing that kind of fell apart and, and almost cost the Rams this game. I mean, you look at it, let's, let's take it back to that first touchdown that made it 31-17. I mean, there was some type of blown coverage there. I don't know what was going going on. Jalen was obviously upset that somebody didn't come down and, and provide some help there. So whose fault that was? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But but there They've, was. Some, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but no, go ahead. teams have run that similar concept on them two weeks in a row. Jalen mentioned this play on his podcast last week, as in the one that's pretty much one of the hardest ones for a corner to have to cover and that there there is supposed to be there are supposed to be certain you know, things built into something like that where there is help. Someone sort of funnels out into sort of that area in the flat where, where the ball ends up going. And so the corner's not coming across the entire stack. And you've you've seen this play run against the Rams, not just twice this year, but in a, in some sort of variety, you know, not exactly the same, but similar concept and different variations. And you saw it last year as well. And I think, that it's going to keep happening until the Rams find out a way to stop it. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was a tough play. I mean, a, a nicely designed play, by the way. But uh, yeah, I'm not. But re- regardless of, of how you're supposed to defend it, I mean, it is, it something took place there that the Rams weren't uh, comfortable with, and and that made it a, a 14 point game. And then there's a blocked punt, like, a, and you look at it and say, well, okay, you know, your special teams has some problems, but uh, that was one thing. And then you, you get Mr. Triple Crown. I mean, your most the most reliable guy you can possibly have catching a pass. And uh, somebody punches the ball out and, and they recovered it. So you're, you're talking about three things here. You're one from each phase of the game, one from defense, one from special teams, one from offense, and they combined to almost cost the Rams this game. So again, I don't know how you look at it. I'm not trying to sit here, Ram, Rams fans, and tell you like, oh, you should be comforted by that because it wasn't it wasn't one catastrophic failure. It was three catastrophic failures that almost, that almost cost the Rams. But it wasn't one thing that you look at and say, oh my goodness, if they don't get that fixed, then then they're going to have some problems. Special teams, you might be able to look at that, especially because there also was a, a, a free kick that followed there after the safety that went out of bounds and, and gave uh, Marcus Mariota time there at the 50 to where he, he potentially could have, uh, you know, made a play. We've, we've seen that happen before. Um, but it, it just, uh, as we say, you, you, I think one of your favorite words, Jordan, chaos. Chaos, I think (laughs) the the best way to describe it. And we'll put a final bullet point on it uh, on a positive sense. Jalen Ramsey makes the play. I mean, my goodness, what a, you know, you talk about whatever happened on that touchdown, but what an athletic play. I mean, to, to go up and, you know, basically high point the ball the the, the way that you would love a, a receiver to do, but Jalen Ramsey goes over the top to make that interception. So I don't know, Jordan, how do you process all of that? Like, I, I don't sit here again, like it wasn't good. You don't want to have those things happen. But if I were the Rams or if I was a Rams fan, I would be, I would have been more concerned if it was just a, a total you know systematic failure on defense or if the offense just stopped scoring. This to me was just kind of comedy of errors that that you don't want to see happen again. Well, the offense did stop scoring. Um, just to put that, right. just to throw that out there, they they but also they kind of went into I think a little bit more conservative mode. Um, you know, in terms of not maybe keeping their foot down on the gas pedal, you kind of felt that vibe that uh, as Sean McVay always likes to say, you know, that urgency maybe felt a little bit lacking, um, you know, by that, by the time that they were up 28 to three with like five and a half minutes left in the third quarter, you felt, okay, this game's probably getting put away, but you have some situations where you're feeling okay, even about the turnover differential, because, even though Matthew Stafford threw, you know, the one interception that was a, you know, a really, really the, the one that he threw across the middle, that just, to me, that was just a fantastic play by the inside linebacker who didn't, yeah. uh, who didn't kind of bite on the flow of where that play is supposed to take the inside linebacker and instead sort of stretched out an arm and snagged this like absolute bullet from Matthew Stafford. It was very matrixy and very, very good play. <laughs> And then the other one was just, and Matthew Stafford's the first to admit this post game. He, it just was a bad decision to Higby double coverage. One of those you can argue they came that kind of was nullified because Kobe Durant had a takeaway. And so, you know, pre- that's a pre- prevention of uh, having the, the score on the other side. And, and great game by uh, the Land Shark, as his nickname is pretty awesome. I love um, that. A great game by him thrown into it when Troy Hill went out with a groin injury. And then on the other side, you know, the fumble, Jalen, Jalen Ramsey saves sort of the makes the the uh, comeback preventing play 
which is the the interception at the goal line, the reverse mossing, as I was kind of hearing Ooh, it referred to in, like in, that. in the locker room, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it so, did look like that. Yeah, it was like a Madden glitch play. Like it was insane. Um, and they and Bobby Wagner said they'd seen him do it on Friday in practice. So it was like, OK, <laughs> they just sort of expect him to do this. Um, and he needed it. You know, there was a couple of really big explosives allowed by some PI that touchdown, you know, obviously the breakdown teams are going to try to run that as a momentum building play um, that got them up to the the 17 points. And, and then you start seeing thing catastrophe and chaos happen. And it's just mistakes that are coming in other phases because the team is not on the screws as, as players like to say, in terms of really just locking and, and keeping the foot on the gas or just like closing this one out and smothering it. Right. It's not, it's not helpful when they can't go ball control on the other side. Um, when they have a lead like that, they just have not shown signs of being able to do that in terms of they can really efficiently move the ball, um, when getting out to a lead, but closing it out with ball control, um, that's something that they just have not showed that they've been able to do on the other side. And, and really the mistakes start coming too. You know, Matt Orzek, he's dealing with a calf injury, the long snapper, dealing with a calf injury all week. You know, basically they had a free rusher come right up the middle where the long snapper is supposed to make the block, like free rusher coming right up the gut and just sitting down on top of the punt. Riley Dixon looks like in a lot of pain after that. I've heard before blocked punts described by punters as like probably what it would feel like to get shot in the foot. Um, Mm. because all of the force and inertia that is in the ball is now reversing suddenly back into the foot and you're not wearing a protective cleat, like you're wearing a soccer cleat essentially. And so it's really quite a painful, quite a painful thing to have happen. And so Riley looked like he was, um, in some pain after that. Now I, I did not hear anything significant about, an injury. We'll obviously find out more today from Sean McVay. Um, but then the free kick happens and then, you know, they take the intentional safety and try to shave time off the clock. And right. all of it was just, it was just kind of gross. Right. And Sean McVay <laughs> said after the game that in the past, he would have been really grumpy about the way that they won. But now he kind of feels like, you know what, a win is a win. And he's handling a little bit better than he did last time, understanding that these errors are fixable. But man, the biggest thing to me for the Rams and, and like the, the mistakes are one thing those can get cleaned up. That's sloppy is sloppy. They can get cleaned up. I, like I said last week, this group problem solves really well. I feel like that stuff can get cleaned up. What I'm actually more concerned about is inability to move the ball when they have a lead in terms of closing that slow suffocation boa constrictor shit that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel used to do against the Rams year after year after year. Well, thank you for mentioning that, because there, there's one part of the of the systematic failure that I that I forgot to mention. And that as I would put some of this on the coaching, too, and talk about that, that killer instinct or what have you. It's 28 to 10. Uh, the Rams were moving the ball. They did largely stop scoring, as you said, They had a very nice drive, took it from their 21 all the way down to the one yard line. And then what did they do? First and goal. Give it to Daryl Henderson. Six yards gets you to the one. You got one yard to go, Jordan. You have one yard to go. You have two plays. What two plays are you going to call? Are you going to call a cornerback sneak? No. Are you going to give it to your nice boulder of a running back who just picked up six yards for you? No. Are you going to throw two fades from the one yard line 
Yes, you are. You're going to throw two fades from the one yard line and you're going to end up taking three points instead of seven points, which could have made a very, very big difference uh, at the end of the game. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that in real time. And it ended up being something that uh, really hurt them in the end. Jordan, that I, I know you were working your way down too from the from the press box to try to get us all of this amazing uh, content. But but they showed on on the replay to your point about Riley Dixon and, and having that kick block. It, it, it doesn't look fun at all. Like, no, I you mean, you can it, see the leg reverberate. Yes, yeah, it's you, frightening. That's just yeah. what I was going to say. It, yeah. it looked like some terrifying, like it, like some like Looney Tunes cartoon where like somebody gets hit and you can just see the wobble. And I'm like, that doesn't look good at all. Like, I would not I would not be a fan of that whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, those are some of the things like, look, if, if Let's put it this way. I mean, if those if those mistakes start to become trends, then then that's when you really have a problem. Um, but uh, to your point, Jordan, I, it, the Rams have shown time and time again that they can clean this stuff up. By the way, do we really do we really believe the new Zen Sean McVay? The, no. to where I, no, I, I don't buy it for one second. I, I think don't. he was just tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which he is. And he certainly earned those couple yeah. of drinks that he that he wanted to have after the game. But by no means do I do I believe that Sean just got back to the locker room and was like, yeah, boy, football. That's really something, isn't it? But boy, we got the win. No way. No way was that happening. But uh, but look, I, I if it, it, let's put it this way, Jordan. If Sean is on that journey, I support him. I, I, I support him on that journey to, to being uh, uh, more Zen and more more calm about these things. But I don't I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. No, because, well, and that's fine, right? Because you have to have the urgency. And Rich, I feel like I sort of was your fullback yes. in terms of lead blocking for you to set up the the irritation at those two goal line calls, which I share your resentment yeah. of. I think that obviously, like, I think you can respect the fact that this is just going to be an offense right now that trusts its passing game much more than its run game. But there are still cer certain situations where it just seems like maybe not even both plays. Maybe if you want to mix it up on one of the two, um, you know, the second down, maybe try for the run, you know, those, those types of things. Daryl Henderson had a, had a, a an eight yard run for a touchdown earlier in the game and right. and just massive holes opened up. Allen Robinson was blocking his ass off. Cooper Cup was as usual blocking his ass off. You know, this is the type of thing that I think, you know, and, and you have so many different players getting involved and in so many different things. I mean, hell, you just ran a play earlier on where, you know, Cooper Cup is coming out of the backfield wide open on one right. side, you know, and, and so, you know, maybe, maybe just mix it up a little bit. The fade isn't always the answer. Allen Robinson catches a heck of a fade as we saw yeah. earlier. And then also, you know, I, I felt for him because he scored his first touchdown in SoFi and, uh, you know, then had, had a, his second touchdown called back because of some sort of quote unquote medical timeout yeah. that was alerted before the snap, but the refs did not blow the play dead. So that was, I think you can probably put that one on the officiating yeah. players and coaches can't do that or else they would incur a fine. But I certainly can say that was a pretty sloppy mishandling of that situation by the yeah, officiating was. crew. And so, and, and, you know, it's, you kind of saw the ref like apologizing to Alan. He had his arm around him as they were walking, walking the ball back. And you, you just saw Alan. He looked like dejected. He was like, oh, man. But I love the way that they used him. This is what I was yeah. trying to tell you guys in camp. And Rich, you and I have talked about this at length on and off air. Like, 
This is what I was talking about. The way that he can do all sorts of different things. They were lining him up. He came out of the backfield once. Like they were yeah. they were doing all types of different things with Allen Robinson. Things he is capable of and things he is ready to do because of the preparation and the study that he put in through this offseason. And I thought he played a great game. He was doing yeah. like there was one of one of the best one of the best plays that they ran. Um Allen and Cooper both were creating the space, one of their best run plays were creating the space on the block through the stack in sort of that like trash shoot area. And it just, you know, I asked Cooper about it post game and just what it's like to, you know, he had like probably one of the best blocking receivers in the league in Robert Woods as a partner for a while. And they're great friends and, and they cherish each other very much. And it's, they always used to just have so much fun doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. together. And it used mm-hmm. to bring them like that, that extra juice that they wanted. And they would have com- competing, like who gets the most p- pancakes through the course of a year. And they'd <laughs> have those competitions with each other. And his, you know, he was in, uh, he was disappointed in himself after the, after the game because of the fumble. And it's his first fumble in a regular season game since 2020. I don't think that becomes a pattern moving forward, but it was a crazy thing to see that. Cause it just never happens. And, like he was not thrilled with himself, but, but then asking him, so we talk about that. And then, then after we're done talking about that, then ask him about the other parts of the game. And he just lit up, not only talking about Allen Robinson and just being able to get in the trench and do some of that gnarly work that these receivers take such pride in. He had a really telling quote. And I think it's telling for a, a couple of other pieces here um, because you saw pretty much every receiver except for Tutu Atwell getting utilized in this offense, right. um, including Brandon Powell, who has fought and scratched and clawed his way into a role here. And that's very commendable by him. Um, and he's even coming out of the backfield and doing different things. And He's also playing on special teams, by the way. And you're seeing, and then Cooper, who is not directing this at any one person in particular, but in the context of the question about him and Allen blocking was like, yeah, if you're going to be an LA Rams receiver, you have to sometimes be an extension of the offensive line. You have to get in there and do the dirty work. And he expressed admiration for Ben Skoranek for being willing to kind of take on what would be a really physical and really difficult role um, in his first week doing it. Um, he he expressed admiration for Brandon Powell for, for really being a positive presence in the huddle and lifting everybody up. And, you know, these things, even though they're not directed at anybody, they're in the context of a question about Brandon Powell or about Allen Robinson. If you look at some of these comments, though, in the bigger picture, they are telling of kind of what's unfolding here in terms of the the types of receivers who are getting more looks and who isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, it. it, And that's why I said all this is is just fascinating, Jordan. And it's like if you if you want to. um, Sorry, I was drinking my coffee. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we'll keep that we'll keep that in i didn't realize i was already and near the done end with it and i slurped it's, it's <laughs> almost so time sorry. for a refill apparently uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a, n- n- nothing will ever be as annoying as my pen clicking which i've probably have been doing while i've been sitting here because i'm using a pen that's clickable so so i also apologize i know there's a couple people out there like will you please stop with the pen clicking and it's just it's just a habit so i i apologize also if we can we can both uh, issue our, our mea culpas but um 
but yeah, I, I just think it's it's. I mean, if you're a fan of football, like, and and I know we're we're talking to, to Rams fans specifically here, but I, I think if you're a fan of football, it's just fascinating to to track all of this stuff and and how they're using these guys. Certainly, a much different uh, look, much different uh, outcome for for Allen Robinson in this game. Much much more like what what they had in in mind. I'm sure. Um, very good to see him used in different areas of the field. He looked very comfortable out there. He was finding some space. Obviously making some some nice catches out there so uh very very positive step forward in in that situation after what was a very negative one obviously uh in week one so again jordan i'm just i'm fascinated i i can't wait for these next few games here to just see how this continues to evolve and continues to uh change maybe in in some ways but uh, the rams are now one and one along with everybody else in the NFC West uh, in, in what is a wild, wild uh, situation to start out. Arizona Cardinals next up on the schedule managed to get to one and one after one of those games that, that uh, you just you looked at Twitter and the entire timeline was just wow, you know, like uh, like 20 consecutive posts of, of wow with what, what they were doing there uh, and, and Kyler Murray uh, pulling that out at the end and the defense making a play to, to win the game. So uh, big game. Big game. I mean, it's only week three, but uh, certainly has some implications at the top of that division. Uh, Jordan, you're going to get to go to Arizona. Do you, I know we have a lot of Rams fans who who make that trip. Do you have any? Do you have any restaurant trip tips? Any 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 good sandwich spots or any any good pregame spots for people to go? I mean, Glendale isn't exactly Phoenix, as anybody who's been there knows. But uh, but uh, I don't know. You got any any good, good tips for anybody? Yeah, Four Peaks Brewery. Um, they have the original location in Tempe and that's obviously we're into college and that's like the spot, great food, great craft beer. Um, really, really one of the all time great breweries in my opinion. Um, but they have a lot of locations. So if you're not staying in that area specifically, um, you could probably find one in Scottsdale. I think you could find one in the, in the airport if you're flying (laughs) as well. Um, and I, I mean, there's a lot of really, really great spots around there, but, um, and a lot of really great underrated food scene, I think in Phoenix, um, and especially in like Scottsdale, Arcadia, Tempe, but, uh, yeah, if you're going that, that would be my number one recommendation is, is four peaks. And I will certainly be making a stop there at some point, whether it's in the airport in the early <laughs> morning when I arrive to and hiding my face as I do it, just cause I just need to make my four peaks pilgrimage or, uh, at a certain other point in the weekend, but guys, this is going to be a fun game. Anything yeah. Rams Cardinals, it's going to be probably get weird at some point. It's going to be wild. I think the Rams are all too aware of what Kyler Murray can do if he's kind of uh, allowed to cook. So they say, and you definitely saw that the way the Cardinals won the game uh, and Kyler Murray made some things happen at the end there. So this is once again, for a third week in a row, the Rams on the screws of a quarterback who can make things happen while he's on the run, can throw the ball, can move and flush and escape and do all sorts of different elusive things. Um, Really, really important game for Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones in that regard. Really important game to make sure that Leonard Floyd is healthy. Um, You know, he played through feeling some issues with his knee last week. So coming out of this game healthy and then entering this next week, he loves playing Kyler Murray. He loves playing running quarterbacks. And you could see some of the chase down effort, um, not just against Josh Allen, but also against Marcus Mariota. And and I think that putting it together um, as a group will be super, super important. And Ernest Jones, I think, is obviously usually an X factor in games against Arizona like this. And we'll have to see, you know, this is going to be interesting. The stakes are high with a, a division that's 
showing to be pretty chaotic as a whole. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see. I'll be there and um, bringing you great coverage at The Athletic all week long. Yeah, wild, right? And then, I mean, San Francisco, and I, you, you hate that for Trey Lance, too, but obviously changes the whole dynamic of, of what's going on there. And, yeah, everybody was was writing off Kyler Murray yesterday, and, and then uh, he shows that he's still Kyler Murray and, and can still do awesome things. Really looking forward to that game. Uh, Jordan, of course, will be there with awesome coverage. We'll have updates throughout the week, as always. Again, as we said, recording on Monday morning, so there will be more injury news throughout the week. Jordan will certainly be tracking uh, not only the injuries, but their implications for what it means for the lineup. So please, if you're not already following at Jordan Rodrigue, she will uh, give you all of the updates that you need to know. And of course, if you haven't already read the pile, it's right there for you. Great read, great breakdowns into some of the stuff that happened uh, with the Rams. Exciting, a little maybe too exciting if you're a Rams fan, uh, victory over the Falcons. And if you're not already a subscriber, I have some amazing news for you because you can jump in right now Get all of Jordan's amazing coverage for the rest of the season. And if you go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel, not only will you become a subscriber, but you'll make Jordan happy because you will get her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, of course, you know this already. My favorite thing in the world is a great discount. And if you subscribe to the 11 personnel podcast through the athletic, excuse me, let's reverse that. It. Two years later, Rich, almost three years later, and I still get it wrong every once out of every like 10 times. If you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Also in the pile, Greg Gaines, who had a fantastic game alongside Ashawn Robinson and containing that really dynamic and versatile Falcons run game. Um, his favorite thing in the world was revealed. Uh, and so go check out the pile in terms of uh, getting that fantastic information by cult hero Greg Gaines. And you guys, we will be back next week. Um, in the meantime, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of each other. We'll see you next time.